Rhode Island was picked to finish third in the Atlantic 10 preseason poll, but what, where does the team stand as conference play begins? Rams head coach Tammy Reese joins host Natalie Heverin to discuss uh, her team and more. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On Women's Basketball is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDON. That's prizepix.com, promo code LOCKEDON. Today we'll be chatting all things Rhode Island basketball and Tammy Reese from how the non-conference season went to the start of conference play, a little bit, a little bit more about Reese and more. Joining me today is Rhode Island head coach Tammy Reese. To start things off, what are some of the biggest lessons you learned uh, in non-conference play this season? We had a lot of unknowns going into the season with our new team. Um, we lost 70% of our scoring, 70% of our rebounding. So a lot of new faces that came in, both as freshmen and as uh, transfers. And so really the unknowns we needed answers going into conference play was, number one, who was going to fill what roles? We had no idea, right? So summer and preseason was really going to tell us that. And then how quickly can we find our chemistry with all these new faces? And so uh, I wish we had a lot of returners. I wish we had that carryover into the season, but we didn't. So the preseason kind of showed us non-conference schedule, who's in what role and how they do in those roles and our chemistry. Can we develop chemistry going into the conference play? How quickly we can find it with all those new faces. And I thought we did a really nice job setting our non-conference schedule up with a balance of, you know, opponents. And then towards the end, we really kicked it up a notch with who we played and going on the road, three games in a row to end conference play, Quinnipiac, Wake Forest, and Princeton. And I thought all three were good tests for us going into A-10 play. And so we found out some answers to our unknowns. Um, and then we still have a couple – the areas of weakness that we really have to improve within conference play for us to be competitive and, and compete for an A-10 championship. One of them being rebound and defense. Two of them. And then, you know, you started off uh, with a New Year's Eve win over Duquesne. How are you hoping that your team is able to continue to grow in conference play? Really, it's about growth and process mindset for us. Whereas last year, we really focused on winning a championship. We really focused on winning. Now it's more, can we improve on our areas of weakness every day? So by the end of the season, once we get healthy, we get some of our players back that, that are injured, we can have our identity, meaning we've got to improve rebounding-wise. It's just it's something that has to happen. We have always been a great rebounding team in the A-10, and this year it's something we're working on. For our identity. It's just not there yet. And so process driven this year. Can we improve as the season goes on in our areas of weakness? Not 
we're focused on winning a championship because we've got the pieces. This year, it's more a focus on areas of improvement, process-driven, and getting better so we don't limp into the A-10s and we don't limp in the postseason. We're actually peaking at the right time. And then what's been your favorite moment of the season so far? I have a lot of moments. It's the end of every game, the last two minutes, how we were performing and really the growth in the last two minutes of every game. You know, this year is going to be different than, than prior years. We're, we're going to have a lot of close games. It just is what it is. And can we execute in those last two minutes? And as a coach, it, it, you really enjoy it because you get to coach. You got to be on your game. When you got a team that you know you're in close games, I got to be on my, my ball. And it's fun to watch our team go out and try to execute what we're doing. Last minute adjustments, plays I'm putting in, game winners, you know, things of that nature. So for me, it's an adventure every last two minutes of every game. And really, there isn't one defining, I could say, player moment. For me, it's so far Princeton, last two minutes, Quimpiat, last two minutes, and then against Duquesne, last two minute execution. So for me, the two minute drills have been my really what I've enjoyed the most in our games. And, you know, how did being in a lot of close end of game situations, those last two minute drills in the non-conference help you against Duquesne uh, last weekend? It, again, it really prepares your team and, and we work on it in practice, but nothing simulates a game. Um, The heightened atmosphere, the, it, it really does. I, I, I really have to see in a game, are we getting better in our last execution? Are we coming out of timeouts, knowing time and score, knowing who needs to get the ball, knowing certain things? And I think that Princeton loss, if if you lose um, and you don't learn from it, you really lose. And I tell our kids that every day. I know it hurts. My heart was broken after Princeton because I think we should have won that game. But if we don't get better from this loss, then we're really going to lose and we're going to repeat history. It's insanity. We're going to repeat the same mistakes over and over. And I was proud of our kids that that last two minutes at Duquesne, we were able to guard without fouling the last two minutes. I can't say that for the fourth quarter, but the last two minutes, we got the stops we needed and we scored. We didn't turn the ball over. Thus we won. We improved from the Princeton last two minutes. And again, it's all about the process for us. And as a coach, that's what I was most proud of the last two minutes against Duquesne was we didn't do what we did against Princeton. And we actually became successful. And they learned that. And coming out of every timeout, it was different. They knew what was supposed to happen coming out of timeouts. And you could see it. They were verbalizing it before we even came out of the timeout to each other. And that growth, I was very proud of us for that. And then we've talked a lot about the unknowns that you came into this season with, but who impressed you or surprised you the most uh, early in this season? Maya, um, obviously she came in and, and she was a different player. And then Sophie Phillips um, coming out. Now this kid saw no time and she got no PT and to come into a season and compete right off the bat. Like she came in and she, her and Dolly went after each other and they made each other better. But Sophie put the work in, in the off season 
And when she came back, I was like, whoa, her confidence level, everything was a different player. And when I say at end of year player meetings, I don't know who the starters are next year. I'm just being honest. We lost so much. I don't know what's coming in. Who's going to earn that spot? So go home and work. That kid went home and worked. And she really surprised me. Our first couple practices, like she looked like her and my A looked like different kids. Um, and it's, it's one thing when you get 20 minutes playing time and you know, you've got that. These kids got no playing time and now they're coming back and they're, they're asking to be the one. Like, listen, I'm good. Give me the balls. I'll shoot them all up. That shocked me. And so that, that really, really impressed me, um, about both players, both kids. Um, Everyone else, I kind of knew what they could do, especially the transfers. We brought them in for specific reasons, very specific. Maddie, transition, go attack the rim, defense. Emma, three-point shooting. T, Tenen, the paint, slow post scoring, own that paint and rebounding. Say-say, uh, run the point and be able to get us into our offenses, the experience and the leadership. And, and they, they didn't disappoint. They came in and they did what they were supposed to do. Um, so it really was my A and Sophie Phillips. Let me get this again. Um, and then, you know, coming up next, we'll talk a little bit more about how Rhode Island has looked so far and a little bit more about the team's start to conference play. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks gives you the opportunity to test your own knowledge against yourself. Pick two to six players, and if they go on to score more or less than the prize picks projection, then you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. It's not competing against other people. It's you versus the projection. Prize picks offers projections on any sport you watch, from women's college basketball to the WNBA and NWSL, as well as the NBA, men's college basketball, and even esports, NASCAR, cricket, and more. Entries can be made in less than a minute. It's that easy. And not only is PrizePix operational in 30 states and Canada, the withdrawal process is safe and fast. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDON. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. So back in October, you told me you wanted your team to enjoy the ride this season. And is something, is that something that you feel like they've been able to do so far? Yes, most definitely. And it's something as a coaching staff, we've enabled them to do, you know, last year, again, we were so intent because we knew we had pieces to compete for a championship. And sometimes, and this is where you got to self-evaluate, is as hard as we work them and as hard as they want to work, you got to have just as much equal play time. And I'm a fun, like, I'm a fun coach. I'm not all basketball. But we put so much into every game, win, lose, or draw, that every game was like life or death. And By the time the end of the season came, the poor kids were exhausted. We were exhausted, and we just nosedived. And this year, it's a different story. We work hard. Don't get me wrong. We work, but we play just as hard. So, for example, I'll give you some examples. You know, we go down to Florida. I go down early. We're going down a day early. We don't even practice. 
We're going to Universal, Islands of Adventure. We're spending the whole day. I don't care if they're on their feet for eight to ten hours. We're enjoying every minute of Orlando. And that's what we did. And we got two wins. But the kids, more importantly, got an experience. Most of those international kids have never been. Man, you should have seen their eyes. We're on the roller coasters, you know, the, the crowds, the people, and, and it bonded them. And they had a great time. You know, we're going to UMass, um, and it's a big game, and they're a great team. They're, they're picked number one in the conference for a reason. But we're on our way up. We're going to stop at the Naismith Hall of Fame, and our kids are going to experience, and they're going to learn the heritage of women's basketball. We're going to go have a good time. You know, Christmas, we have a huge party at my house. You know, we're doing things. Every two weeks in the off season, we had Beach Olympic Day. We have, you know, ropes course. We have our kids are going to experience things and they're going to enjoy each other. And that's part of the process. And that's what my college coach gave to me, Debbie Ryan, was, you know, we 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 compete and we play hard, but we we even have more fun. And that's what you end up remembering or your memories with your teammates, not how many championships you won, not how many. And that's a sisterhood and that takes work. And so that's the difference is we're going to, we're enjoying the ride this year. We're letting them smile and go have fun and, and it's a great balance. And that's what we as coaches, me as a head coach, I've done better this year. I really have. And again, you got to learn. You make, you make some mistakes along the way, but we're definitely not going to sacrifice good times. And then, you know, what are you most excited for them to see at the Hall of Fame? The history of the game. Most of these kids growing up nowadays, you know, it was different. When I grew up, I knew the history. I I knew, and there was no TV, but I knew who came before me um, and who paved the way for me um, to become and actually get some television coverage. And now... Now kids have no idea. Half the kids don't even know I played. Um, they don't know who, you know, Cheryl Miller is. They don't know who Kim. You know, you see Kim Mulkey now. She was my idol. She was the, my favorite pigtail point guard of all time. And for for them to not know who Kim Mulkey was as a player, um, you know, I, I, I want them to learn the game and who paved the way. And I have a lot of international kids who have no idea about, how the game started here and where it came from. And so that, that we always teach them, pay it forward. But in order to pay it forward, sweeties, you got to know the history of the game. Um, and you got to study it and, and, and appreciate it. And so we, I just want them to learn it a little bit and to see it, all the great players and all the people that came before you. And, Going back to your team this year, you know, for the second year in a row, as of January 2nd, your team is allowing the fewest points per game in the A-10. What has gone into building your team's defense? You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I'm still in the mindset of we're a horrific defensive team <laughs> because it's just who I was as a player. I love D. And being able to guard the ball and, and I'm just such a perfectionist when it comes to defense to a rebound. I just am. I think it wins games and it wins championships that, you know, I'm proud that we've improved man to man. I'm proud that we don't have to sit in a zone and play the whole game in the zone because we refuse to guard. Um, and I'm proud that we held the kids accountable to getting better 
because I actually think I did say this today in practice. I do think we're better than we ever were in our man-to-man defense of that we don't have to sit in the zone. And so I am proud of that. Um, I'm proud that, that we can actually guard a little bit this year, unlike other years where we just resorted to sitting in a 2-3 zone and, and saying, beat us from the outside. So I, I do think the kids have made a concerted effort of an effort of trying to play D. And that's what defense is. It's heart and getting after it that you're actually going to guard and fly around. Now, there's, there's obviously skill to defense. It's not all heart. But this year, they've committed to, I'm at least going to try. And past years, we just didn't commit. And then, you know, what are your team's priorities on defense? Being able to guard your yard, have some pride and stopping your man, and then multiple effort. If you can't, we got your back, and we're going to fly around to a box out. And so, you know, that's it is a lot of times, you know, we're not right now, we're not the best guarding your yard team. People will pick on people. Then if you can't do that, you better have great help rotations to a box out. And that being committed to that um, and improving on those rotations, that's that's what we have to do. Um, whereas, you know, our last, our first game in the A-10, Duquesne, really picked on slot drives. You know, can we can we stop and guard without fouling and get those rotations? We did in the last two minutes, but we didn't in the whole fourth quarter. And so things like that is is really our emphasis guard your yard be able to guard for three and then multiple effort can we help the helper get out of it and to a box out for 40 minutes we're nowhere close to where we need to be and then kind of a side note out of the duquesne game what was it like for you seeing your former teammates niece and niece of someone you looked up to and Susie mcconnell serio lined up on the other side you know really it's funny i I played with Kathy McConnell, who's who's her auntie. Kathy tweeted me a message. McConnell's coming for you. I tweeted her back. Oh, don't worry. We know. I know how good this kid is. Great, great PG. Love this kid. I love her game. But it's in her, it's again, the heritage. Susie McConnell Serio was an Olympian. I used to go to Penn State in the seventh and eighth grade to watch her play. I used to go to their camps to watch her. Again, right behind Kim Mulkey was Susie McConnell Serio for me. And and then I played with her auntie Kathy at Virginia. She was my host. One of the reasons I went to Virginia, the McConnells have it in their blood. They are a basketball dynasty. And this kid is just part of the next generation of great guards that the McConnells put out. It's like they breed them down there in, in Pennsylvania. And so – um, it was, it's great to watch that next generation of, I played with, with their auntie and the other one is one of the best point guards to ever do it. And so for me, it was like watching history repeat itself. And she had a great second half. Great, great, great point guard. Unbelievable. And then, you know, what are you excited about for the rest of conference play for your team? Again, it's, it's how good we can become at the end. Once we get our team healthy, we've had – Dolly's been out for a couple weeks now. That's our starting two guard. We haven't had Big T yet in our rotation. She's just getting back now. And so can we get better as a team without them? How good can we become? And then we fold them. Where are we at the end? 
You know, I, I want to see us improve game by game. I'm, I'm not locked into winning every game at all costs. It's what we did last year. And, again, I, I, I told the team it was a weakness of ours as a coaching staff. As, as For me, I put so much emphasis on these damn championships that when we lost that final game – hold on one sec. When we lost that final game to Dayton and all the air came out of us, we never got the kids back. They were devastated. And we still had an A-10 to play. But, again, that's putting too much emphasis on the championship. If you focus on the process, and this is where we, de- we deetered off our path, they'll come. Don't worry about it. And you might take an L along the way. That's what happens. Great teams, they lose. But in the end, you can recover from it, and in the end, you're peaking for postseason. And so that's where, no, no, we're focusing on getting better. And we're not focused, okay, we took an L. We got to get, we learn from our L's and we get better. And towards the end, will we be there in the end on an upward trajectory, getting better, everyone healthy, and now we're competing. And that's really what the focus is on. Can we go up to UMass and get better on our deficiencies? And we have glaring deficiencies and we have to get better at them to be in any game competitively. So that's our focus. And coming up next, we'll take a step back and talk about Reese's past and present and maybe even touch on a little bit of 80s pop culture. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. And yes, they even cover your women's basketball betting needs. I am not personally a betting person, but I love that BetOnline.net offers these options for women's basketball. It's a very big deal. And I love that I can send my friends over to betonline.net for all of their women's basketball betting needs and even to bet on NCAA women's basketball future odds. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, betonline.net has it all. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at betonline as well. Betonline.net is always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix from the WNBA and MLB to NFL, NBA and NHL bet online has got you covered for odds, lines and games head to bet online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet online where the game starts. So you signed a 10 year contract back in March and what does that commitment from Rhode Island mean to you? And what do you hope to accomplish in the next nine and a half years? The 10-year deal and the commitment that Rhode Island gave me, they gave me way before A-10, when the conference was finishing up, they came at me with a deal before the A-10 tournament and to show, listen, we don't want you going anywhere. We want you here. What do you want? And what's it going to take to keep you? And... You know, yes, some schools called and, and, and were interested, but, you know, in my, in my mind, I really didn't do anything yet. I didn't do anything I set out to do here. Every postseason, we've, I haven't even won a postseason conference game in A-10 play. I, I haven't done anything other than elevate the program to a competitive level, in my mind. And I'm an extremely competitive person, and I'm a perfectionist, and – as much as maybe I wanted to interview another place to at least see 
who's interested in me. Um, no one showed as much commitment and interest as you or I did to me. And I'm also a very loyal person. Yes, I'm competitive. I want to coach maybe at a BCS level or, but I want to do it on my terms. Meaning I got to win here first. I got to do it. It's just who I am. I can never just jump to another job and go, oh, I'm getting paid. I'm at the BCS level. And, and I haven't even done anything that I set out to do. And I have a goal list. And it's just who I am and what I do. And the mere fact that URI came to me so early and wanted me. I also want to be wanted. It's just, again, it's I know me. It can't be, oh, yeah, we're going to put you through the project. You don't want me. You don't. If you want me, you'll show me you want me. And URI showed that. And, and again, this is why I'm here to begin with as my AD. I love him to death. And he, I didn't even have to tell him. He knows me so well. It's almost to a, to a hindrance of me that he knew when he comes and he came, he knew I'll be committed to him because he's committed to me. He just knows me inside and out. We have that relationship. And so it was everything to me. It really was that they wanted me that bad. And they gave me, it's not about the money. The 10-year security was big to me. Not the money, but they also gave me everything I needed for my assistant coaches and for my pro, the program. Like, I don't do this alone. I'm just, I get to have the title of head coach. My assistants are my backbone. They are everything to me. And if I can't keep them a part of this and you have turnover, you'll never be successful. You, you won't. And so they made, a, the school made a full commitment to the program, not just me. And that's what attracted me is they want to win here. And then what's been your favorite part about building the program over the last three and a half seasons? I'm a, I'm a planner and a builder. I'm OCD to the point of I plan everything. I have everything written down. I have short-term goals. I have long-term goals. I have the pathway that we're going to get there. And then I have a plan B if plan A doesn't go right. And then I have a plan C if plan B doesn't go right. And so I love that. I love growing something from nothing. Um, it's very easy as a coach to, to jump. And, yeah, it would be great if I would have taken over a team and they were had everyone returning and they won a championship and they were good already. But that's not – I'm not really good at that. I'm much better at building something from nothing. And it's what I, – I get my – well, you can say this. I get my rocks off on that. I love it. I love taking a dog and building them from nothing. And that takes a hell of a lot more than inheriting something and keeping it there, in my opinion. And I know me. So that's what I'm most proud of here, and that's what I've loved about this journey. That first year was difficult. It really was. For a competitive person to lose, it's the most difficult thing. But that first year also I got so many learning lessons from it as a coach. It was incredible, especially building a culture. I've learned. And so that's what I loved about we've had a journey from nothing to competitive program that's at top of the A-10. And that was, that was our goal as a coaching staff. And Dan Burt 
at Duquesne said the nicest compliment in the handshake line. Um, fierce competitor, but a better friend. Um, when it's all said and done, win or lose, he shakes your hand and he looked at me and he said, I can remember coming to this gym when there was eight people in it. Eight. And he goes, look what you built. It's a testament to you and your coaching staff. Congratulations. And that is something that you say, what do you, it's been a process. And now you can see it coming to fruition. And someone who's a builder takes great pride and joy in that. And so that's what I've loved about this the most was the growth of A to B. And now we got to get to C, and that's the next journey. And when we talked back in July 2021, you told me that Don Staley was your partner in crime and you pulled a lot of pranks together. What was the best prank that you two pulled? <laughs> there are so many. Um, the best one was a Halloween. It was our sophomore year. And we had a post player named Audra Smith. She coached at UAB, Clemson. And Audra was a scaredy cat. We pranked her more than anybody because she just, she was, she's just so scared. So that Halloween, I had gotten a full-fledged werewolf costume. Six foot, the head, the eyes lit up red, talions, big, like literally. We sent her to McDonald's. Dawn was in the room and she did the lights. So when the car was to pull in, we knew what stairwell she would come up. I'm in a full-fledged werewolf costume. I'm hiding around the corner of the stairwell she's going to come up. She'll have all our food. She had me, Dawn, Tanya Cardoza, who was the ex-coach at Temple, and Audra. She had four sodas. She had all the carrying it up. The lights hit. Audra gets out of the car. I'm standing there. And the head locked on. I mean, it was like something out of a horror movie. It wasn't some cheesy. It was scary. And I couldn't, the head, once it locks, you can't get it off. So I'm standing around the corner and I'm waiting. Audra's coming up the stair while I hear her. And all of a sudden she gets to the top and I jump out and I'm like, ah, eyes are lit up. She takes the Cokes and hits me in the face with them, drops the thing. And I've now Audra. She never ran like this. She sprinted like her pants were on fire, and she was gone. And I'm I'm running after her. I'm trying to get the head off, screaming, Audra, it's me. And I'll never forget that. It was the best prank ever. <laughs> so in return, now you never prank someone and not get re-pranked. So it's springtime, and they wait. Dawn and Audra wait. And we got Dawn after that. We got everyone. They wait. I'm in the bathroom. All the windows are open. People are in the, the common area talking, springtime. Everyone's happy. I'm getting ready for a date. I'm taking a shower, and they're all out. Audra and Dawn proceed to get an ice bucket of water. They prop open the door. They come in. I'm singing. I remember it distinctly. Hold on. Recap. I'm in the shower. They come in with an ice bucket of water on a chair. And I hear giggling. I'm like, what? And I look up. And here comes the ice bucket on me. And I am so angry. They're laughing. They start running out. I come running out, not knowing that everyone's in. I mean, everybody from downstairs, our whole freshman dorm, they're in there. I come running out. And I'm buck naked. And I hit the, it's like, tile. I hit it and I fall and I'm sliding down till I hit the rug where all the, the sofas are 
and everyone's standing there laughing, sitting around laughing. And, you know, what are you going to do? I proceed to get up, uncover myself, and I go sprinting back in the bathroom. But those are the things I'll never forget. And there was, there was about a hundred of them. And I'm not kidding you. We pranked every day. Our freshman year, we pranked somebody every day. Dawn and I almost got arrested one time pranking Tanya. And we went to the 7-Eleven after it with the stockings on our head. We had hammers. We had shaving cream. And they called the police on us and almost arrested us. I have a story for every day of our freshman year. And those are the things you create. And there's a, there's a reason we went to three Final Fours. That's how tight we were. And we had the best time doing it. Um, but it also brings you together. You spend so much time together creating memories. And that's our sisterhood. That's our Wahoo sisterhood. And I'll never forget it. Now, I couldn't tell you. Now, I know how many Final Fours we lost, and I know how many championships we won. But those memories created, I'll carry them to my deathbed because they were the best four years of my life. And, you know, you're after those Final Fours, you go on to do a lot of different things. Um, but can you tell the story of how you went from being out of basketball completely to then being the fifth overall draft pick in the inaugural WNBA draft? I was, at the time, in L.A. I was acting, um, and I get a phone call. I'm actually out. I can remember this. I'm actually out running um, and doing jump rope because I was a fitness model as well. So I had an audition coming up for Bally's Total Fitness. And I'm out in a loop by my where I lived, and I'm doing jump ropes, running. It's, it's later in the evening. And I, I, I hear my cell phone. I get this call. And... It's like, Tammy, this is Val Ackerman. Um, I'm starting a league in the WNBA, and I want you to come back and come to the Combine, and I, I want you to be a part of it. And Val Ackerman, who was the president at the time, she was touring with the USA national team and doing the tour around the United States with them, and then the Olympus was going to start, and then, boom, they were going to start the WNBA. So I get this phone call. I drop everything. I'm out in L.A., I have my agent, I'm auditioning. I pack my car the next day, my Camry, and I drive all the way back, top of the United States, from Los Angeles to New York, and I start training with my fifth, fifth grade, sixth grade high school teacher who happened to be my trainer um, at Eldred Central School. And we do two-a-days, sometimes three-a-days. I have six months to get ready before the combine. I haven't played basketball, organized basketball, since 92. It is now 97. It's five years out of, out of playing. And I really didn't play. I train. I'm in great shape because I'm a fitness model. We start training. I go down to Orlando. I have a great combine. I'm the fittest one there. And I get drafted first round, fifth pick. And it's a testament of, number one, I just got it done. I just, I train, and I, I had a goal of playing professional basketball. It's the one of the, the long-term goals I had in, co in college was I had a list of 100 goals. I didn't accomplish four of them, and being a pro was one of them. Now, at the time when I wrote the list, I was sixth grade with Mr. T, and I said I was going to play in the NBA. There was no WNBA, and, you know, that was just getting after it and putting the work in. And saying, I'm going to make this. I'm going to do it. It's one of my goals. And I just did it. 
And then, you know, I know how much you love the 80s. What are your top five favorite songs from that decade? It's a lot of Whitney Houston, Michael Jackson, Prince. But, you know, the 80s, probably I have so many artists I love. But in the 80s, probably my my favorite song, um, Whitney Houston, is I Want to Dance with Somebody. Um, that's probably my number one. Then Michael Jackson probably beat it is number two. Maybe Purple Rain, three. Um, probably a George Michael. I'd have to have time to, to pick it. But there's so many great 80s songs that it's really hard. I can go 80s artists much better. Um, okay. But for me, it's Whitney, period, Michael, Prince, probably George Michael. And then I might throw a uh, Bruce or Cindy Lauper in there, depending. They may be a tie for me. But, you know, 80s, 80s artists, 80s movies and music are everything for me. To this day, last night I, I was watching 16 Candles and it ran right in the Uncle Buck. It could go right in the Breakfast Club. It could go right in the When Harry Met Sally, Sleepless in Seattle. I mean, all my classics. I have movie posters in my basement. And the 80s for me, and I grew up in the 80s, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have any of that. Music, movies, and sports were your entertainment. You know, you maybe had an Atari or an, in television, but you didn't, you didn't spend your, your life on the computer, on your cell phone, or playing video games. You know, you had to entertain yourself. And so for me, music, movies, and then just getting out and playing with your friends, um, sports, all that outside, that's what we did. But for me, there is no decade better than the 80s, and I love it. If I could go back, I would. Because I absolutely love the 80s. And to this day, I'll take the 80s over any decade there was. Growing up in the 80s, I would. From what we wore, some classics. When you look back, if you did a time capsule and you came out and you had leg warmers and shoulder pads and some of the things we did in the 80s, it was just so classic. It was crazy. Uh, and then, you know, to wrap things up, um, you mentioned a couple of these players earlier, but... Now, what, who were your favorite women's basketball players to watch growing up? Growing up, the two teams that were on the most on the, in the championship were USC and La Tech. So you, now my dad took me to a lot of games locally. So I would see Penn State or anyone local play. But my, my absolute idol, my two idols were USC, Cheryl Miller, and La Tech, Kim Mulkey. And there were a lot of great players on both teams. They they had, like, the McGee sisters. Cynthia Cooper was with Cheryl Miller. Rhonda Windham was the point guard. And then La Tech, you had Janice Lawrence. You had Deborah Rodman. You had Kim Mulkey. You just, they were all so good. But those two players, Cheryl Miller was the best player on the planet at the time. She could do it all. She was the stretch four before there was a stretch four, before Shamiqua Holtz Club, before Deladon, before Candace Parker, before Brianna Stewart, it was Cheryl Miller. And then the best point guard for me was Kim Mulkey. Um, I loved her. And so those, and then locally I would go watch Susie McConnell-Serio, you know, and then as it gradually got 
got bigger and bigger and more basketball came on, you know, you saw some other players. But, you know, I I grew up watching Annie Myers and and Nancy Lieberman Klein. Nancy Lieberman actually trained me one day. She dated Dean Meminger, who used to come to my house and train me. She came. She was one of my idols. And that was before, you know, I was real young. And so, you know, those were the people that, that I really respected that I wanted to become when you didn't get to watch women's basketball on TV. You know, you, we got it one day of the year, one day. And I was, I was watching NBA, the Celtics, the Sixers, and the Lakers. So Magic and Bird and Dr. J, those were your heroes. You know, we didn't have the ability to watch women's basketball. And, you know, what does it mean for you today to uh, be able to be on TV and showcase women's basketball for the next generation? Hold on. <clears throat> so I tell our kids all the time, there's so much more. Yes, you're a player, and but you got to understand this is a business. And along with this business of basketball, comes your role model, your mentor. You have the stage. So every time you take the floor, someone's watching. They paid money to come in the arena to watch you play. You're on ESPN Plus that now you're reaching everybody. And you have, and I, I, I've been told this, I don't care, you are a role model. You are a mentor. You will pay it forward and honor this game. And so when you take that floor, you're putting on a show. You're going to give 110%, and you're going to represent the game and respect the game the way it should be played. So all those little girls that are watching you can go, I want to do that. I want to be her. And that's how you have to approach it if you want to be a role model and you want to, you want to respect the game. And that's what we teach here. Again, it's how I was taught. And how I pay it forward and now how I'm teaching the next generation to pay it forward to all those little girls out there that have the dream to be where you're at. So never disrespect the game when you have an opportunity to represent women's basketball and be on TV. Because there's thousands of hundreds of thousands of women that we didn't get that shot. We don't get to play. We didn't get to represent. And so that's what we teach here. Um, Everyone who buys a ticket, you're going to give them a show. You're going to play to the best of your ability. And you're never going to leave the floor and say, I wish I could have, should have, wouldn't. And I didn't. So that's that's what we kind of teach when they have the opportunity to play on television and represent the game of women's basketball for all those future generations and all those young girls that have the same dream they had. Thanks for making Locked on Women's Basketball your first lesson today. Make sure to tune back in tomorrow for more from Howard. Now, make your second lesson game-to-game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked on game-to-game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked on can deliver. Follow game-to-game on Locked on NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts.